Effective revenue growth. It's the hottest topic right now in successful B2B companies. So what better way to help you learn more about revenue amplification than listening to insights from leading professionals? We've sourced a great lineup of experts who deliver fresh insights on the strategies, tools, process, analysis, and alignment that they all use. We hope you enjoy the series. Subscribe to get the latest videos straight to your inbox. Jay McBain is one of the most respected names in the IT industry in terms of some of the trends that are happening right before our eyes. He started out his career over 27 years ago working with organizations like IBM, Lenovo, and Autotask, and now he's with Forrester. More recently, he's been talking about the changes and disruption that marketplaces are bringing, and he's now been coined the godfather of ecosystems. Today, we're delighted to have him share some of his wisdom and expertise in some of the trends that ecosystems and marketplaces are bringing about and what we can expect moving forward. At marketplaces, what are some of the things that you see that most interest you, I guess, and maybe even some of the trends that have accelerated this year, you know, given COVID? Yeah, once every year I write a big blog I call What I See Coming uh, for 2020, and I wrote that before COVID, so I, I don't think anyone predicted a, a pandemic turning into pando pandemonium for 2020, but there's some large transformations at play without a pandemic. So, you know, with new buyers, new buying psychology, we have new buying journeys, we have new buying behaviors. This is leading to a place where almost every company in every industry is being disrupted. Accenture just did a big study where 76% of the world's CEOs think their current business model will be unrecognizable in five years. And ecosystems are the number one reason why. So the channel conversation is kind of percolating to the top, whether it's by business model, by you know, your place in the industry, whether it's all these as a service and subscription models, whether it's the new buyer, everything seems to be wrapped around how channels are gonna operate in the future. Have you seen, uh, I guess it's fair to say you've seen an acceleration of some of that based on some of the data that you're kind of looking at or? Yeah, absolutely. So last week actually McKinsey put out a report based on Forrester research that said, We've actually grown, for example, marketplaces in e-commerce more in the last three months than we have in the last 10 years combined. So we're, we've gone into use a Canadian term, we've gone into a hockey stick mode now. And some of the things that we were predicting, for example, on the B2B side, business to business, which is a $13 trillion market from you know, computers to paper clips to forklifts to everything in B2B, we were predicting 17% of that market would go via marketplace within three years, 2023. But because of COVID, we're probably gonna hit that number either this year or early next year. So a huge acceleration in terms of differences in buying and how channels work within that construct. I call it a trifurcated model, which takes a little bit of the heat off the transaction itself but better frames the channel or the ecosystem in terms of how they influence a customer upfront, how they work through that vendor selection and transactional phase. And then because every company in every industry is becoming a subscription business, how that works through renewals and retention, adoption, integration, upsell, cross-sell, because the buying journey now never ends. It renews every 30 days. 
So I, I read something else that you, I think, might have published or, or were talking about recently, some of the trends that maybe you saw a decade ago with MSPs starting to move to some subscription revenues, and then those that, um, I guess, are, are, are non-subscription based, and some of the trends that you've seen accelerate as well in the channel this year, given how certain industries have dipped and others have expanded. Um, can you kind of, kind of share your thoughts on that with the audience? Yeah, so I publish a pretty comprehensive piece on COVID. I, I look at the 26 categories of technology. I look at the 200 subcategories. I also look by geography. I look by industry, sector, and segment, and size, and a bunch of different vectors to break down the, the impacts. Those value-added resellers that converted into the MSP model 20 years ago, we thought it would be a resilient business model. We thought it'd be more predictable. We thought it'd be more valuable from an M&A perspective. All of those things, it took a pandemic to kind of prove us right. In that with the general market, for example, in COVID, sales of computers and telecommunications and system integration and consulting is down by 16 or 17% and not recovering into the later half of 2021, where managed services is only down by 1.9%. So it's a good, predictable, repeatable model, and it's in high demand for those SMBs that look at outsourcing, you know, some or all of their technology. If you put yourself in somebody's shoes that maybe that didn't make that pivot, or they're looking at some of the options, you know, with the lessons learned that you've, you've got from the, the viewpoint, what would, you, what would you tell to folks that maybe haven't made that journey or that pivot yet? Well, the first thing I would do is I'd step back and widen my aperture a little bit. There's not the argument that every VAR should become an MSP. There's not an argument that every system integrator should open up a managed services practice. Uh, so managed services is now 20 years old. It's mature. The average margin is about 17%. So it, it's a predictable kind of mature market and it's highly competitive. The prices have been compressed. And it's not the greenfield that, that we might have had, at least it, even a decade ago. So I point them into other areas as well. I look at during COVID, you know, the big hyperscalers just reported their results and where Azure was growing by 59% before COVID, they just reported they're still growing at 47% year on year. AWS you know, was growing by 54 and now they're still in the 40s. Google was growing by 51, they're still in the 40s. SaaS businesses that were growing by 30% before COVID seem to be reporting those same results during COVID. So there's highly resilient cloud models that you can tie into that have much higher than 17% margins. Some of them have four and five time multipliers on that. So 75% margins by doing some of the cloud installation, implementation, integration, security, compliance, business continuity. So look outside of that, that's more project-based work. Maybe 10 years from now, it'll convert more into managed services, but look right. to pick up some, some areas. Another one is RPA, Robotic Process Automation, which is the first stepping stone to automation and AI. And companies like UiPath grew 5,614% last year. We talked to hundreds of thousands of clients around the world. The number one thing they wanna do in this stage of COVID is automate their processes, their workflows, the business logic. The stepping stone to that is RPA and taking advantage of that. That's not managed services, but it's a project-based 
bot building exercise of where you integrate into your customer highly profitable, highly sticky, and the number one demanded thing right now in the marketplace. So taking a little bit wider aperture than managed services, there's a lot of really interesting opportunities to build practices around. What concerns you, or, or maybe to put it another way, what gives you hope given what you're seeing kind of play out and a lot of the acceleration that you're seeing, I guess, right now in the channel? Yeah, the one thing, and I, I made a prediction earlier this year that was controversial, but I predicted that the percentage of indirect revenue as a percentage of the total, there's $3.6 trillion of tech spend by businesses and governments around the world. And 64% of that goes through the channel. So almost two thirds of it. I predicted though, for the first time in 39 years, we hit a plateau and that percentage was gonna to start to go down. Why? We talked about marketplaces. We talked about these new buyers. You look demographically at millennials and Generation Z entering the workforce, much more digitally savvy, much more likely to take a cloud decision into a more direct or, or, or marketplace type of format. So it, it's not a bad thing for the channel, but it further reinforces that there's three elements of a channel, a trifurcated channel. Those who have influence over the buyer very early, those who actually have the transaction, and then, like I mentioned, the subscription that comes later. And for all the big companies now are actually putting out these trifurcated models. A few weeks ago, it was HP, it was Google, it was IBM, it was SAP. All these big custom, uh, companies are talking about build, sell, and service now, where for decades they were just talking about sell, gold, silver, bronze programs and things. So they're trying to encourage partners and pay partners for providing more value to that customer journey than just collecting the customer's money. Is there anybody that you're seeing doing a great job of that or some that's, that stand out more than others? Or is it too, too early, I guess, in that kind of shift from B2C to B2B, some of the... the uh trends that you see playing out in the marketplaces? Well, we're definitely seeing the early um, remnants of it in the marketplace. So last year, Microsoft, who has 355,000 partners, said that they were actually recruiting 7,500 new partners a month. And before COVID, I was spending a lot of time up in Redmond studying this list of new partners, and 80% of them are non-transacting partners. They are you know, not your traditional VAR, MSP business model, but they could be ISVs, they could be system integrators, they could be accountants, they could be digital agencies, they could be cloud brokers, cloud aggregators. There's all kinds of different business models. In Microsoft's case, it's 16 different business models now that are flooding in to make partnerships in the Microsoft ecosystem, where 80% of them not, are not CSPs or LSPs or what they called their transacting partners of the past. Salesforce just announced that they want to double the size of their revenue in the next four years from 20 to 40 billion, it's going to require the recruitment of 250,000 new partners. They did an analysis of how many people are in front of their buyers, how much influence there is there, how many players play after the initial transaction in the long term, which in Salesforce's cases is $4.65 of ecosystem value for every dollar they sell. They did this entire analysis, and that was the really large number of partners that they require. What's interesting, the same day they announced that, they shut down their resale program. They want all the money to flow through the App Exchange, which is their marketplace, 
and they want partners on there. They want other software companies on there. They want everyone, Internet of Things companies on there. But the transaction happens through the app exchange, which makes sense for the buyer to be able to procure and provision and manage and monitor and report on their cloud activity in one pane of glass. But the partners that come in and drive that $5 multiplier, they want to create a system that everybody is out there. And again, that $5 comes at 75% margin instead of the 20% margin you'd get reselling Salesforce. So why would you spend a minute of time over here when you should be billing for that minute over here at a much higher rate?